Hey. Hey. You're right. Happy Valentine's. It's not Valentine's for you listening, because you're listening in the future. But we're recording this. In the past. On Valentine's Day, February the 14th. We've had a romantic meal. Dan cooked for me. I did. He cooked me meat, even though he's veggie. True yeah. love. And maybe some profiteroles. I did. I made profiteroles. That was a, um, mm. a goal for 2021, so it's achieved. Middle of February, that's nice. And I'm on my period, so we thought <laughs> we'd just record a podcast. <laughs> she had some wine, so um, it could be a good one. Strap in. It's nice to see people are listening, though, by saying shocking things. Shocking <laughs> things. Um, well, shall we tell? Shall we tell the saga first, or do you want to yes. tell the film? Yes, tell the saga. So obviously, we're casting about for film recommendations, and we uh, wanted some old people. Your words. We asked our parents, and Hannah's parents suggested a few films, including one which we thought was Sleepers. So we looked it up, and it's a 1996 film with Brad Pitt and Jason Patrick and Robert De Niro and Kevin Bacon and Minnie Driver, loads of famous people, and it's all about child abuse. Yeah, it's about uh, like 14-year-old boys being molested in prison. It was a good film, but Grim. we didn't feel like making a podcast about it. We were like, oh, that, I don't know what to say about that film. Yeah, two hours, 20 minutes, watching that, writing notes, thinking about it, reading up about it and thinking, no, you know what, I don't want to do a podcast about that. That's really dark. And then we went back and said, why did you suggest this film? And it turns out... Oh, Jerry actually meant Sleeper, the 1970s Woody Allen light-hearted comedy. <laughs> and we watched the... 90- I mean, Woody we were Allen... like, we've wasted two evenings of our lives... Watching a film about child sexual abuse because of a missing S. So in the end, one of their other suggestions, which we had on hand, was a fish called Wanda. Yeah. And we thought, yes, we know a bit about that. John Cleese wrote it. Let's watch that and cheer ourselves up and do a funny, lighthearted podcast about a funny, lighthearted film. So let's hear from them about the film A Fish Called Wanda. A Fish Called Wanda, I think, is one of my absolutely top favourite films. How about you? Yeah, it's definitely in my top 20. Um, tell me what you like about it, Jerry. I think it's just, it ticks all the different boxes. So it's it's a thriller, a crime thriller. And there are some moments of great suspense, uh, like the steamroller very, very slowly <laughs> about to run over someone, who then does somehow manage to escape and clamber onto the wing of a plane. Um so it's got all the tension of that, but it's also got a load of humour, some really slapstick humour. Yeah, it's it is very slapstick. It's um I grew up watching Monty Python, so yeah. I'm quite drawn to anything with uh, pythons in it. So yeah, Absolutely. it's got a good if it, there's uh who is it with the chip up his nose? Um uh, Michael, Palin. Michael Palin with his chip and then there's um John Cleese caught with his pants down. Um, yes. So <laughs> I there's some very racy scenes from uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Now I realise why I should have learnt foreign languages. Um yeah, it's <laughs> it's a great uh, great film. Um and and the dramatic moment of the poor lady losing one by one uh, dogs in terrible accidents. This is not her film, is it? For, 
for dog lovers. It's not, a, it's not a film for dog lovers or fish lovers for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. So um, animal lovers that. don't bother with that one, but yeah. uh, it is a great and and very funny film. So when did we when did we watch this? When did well, we get back to? I was thinking about this. I don't remember going to the cinema. So and it came out in 1988. So quick history lesson: in 1988, we got our first color telly and the mm. video recorder. So weekends. Um, we'd go down to Blockbusters and Blockbusters. pick out some films to they watch. They were such a, it was, it was it a was great experience of, to go down yeah, Friday night, Saturday night with the kids, choose choose a film, choose some treats. Yeah, those were the days. What has technology added to that? Don't answer that. <laughs> you uh, don't have but to it's leave a great the film. house. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do watch it. What a great film. Thanks, Thanks. everyone. Thanks. There we are then. So what shall we say about A Fish Called Wonder? Where do you want to start? What year is this from? 1988. 88. We yeah. were two. We were two. Both of us. It was funny in a like in an 80s way. There's the stuff that was funny because it was a funny film. And then there's stuff that was funny because it was the 80s and things have moved on. And you can't do that anymore. Like dressed in in that kind of thing she was wearing. Yeah. Oh, the decor in the house. You can't eat fish anymore from a fish tank. Yes. Yeah, so at one point they uh, did that all the time in the eighties. So <laughs> people just all the time. Oh, I like your pet fish. <laughs> Eaten. <laughs> should we should we explain any of the plot before we get yeah, into the pe- pet fish eating? Go on. They were fake fish, by the way. What? So, uh, Kevin Klein plays Otto. He won an Oscar for that. Well done. Best Supporting Actor. I thought he was really good, actually. He was one of the highlights. Otto, this kind of deranged, maybe CIA... He ate a fish. He's on the ate He's the fish eater. Yeah. He was up for eating real fish. He said, please let me eat real fish. Apparently they gave him, like, jelly ones or whatever, but they tasted horrible. And he... And <laughs> what? They, as horrible as... A real fish, uncooked and alive. I, I don't know if he was if he was saying at least a live fish. He is trying to extract information about where the key to a safety deposit box is, where the loot is, because it's a heist film. It begins with a with a heist. They hold up a bank and get thirteen million pounds worth of um, diamonds. And I did a quick bit of calculations. And thirteen million pounds in nineteen eighty-eight is equivalent to all of the money in the world now. <laughs> it's more than Jeff Bezos has, even. I don't know. I just so they do a heist, and Otto is involved in that heist, played by. So I think it's got quite a good cast for the eighties. You've got Kevin Klein, who won an Oscar. You've got the two Python stars, Michael Palin and John Cleese. Excuse me. You've got Jamie Lee Curtis. I like her. She sounds fun. I think we could be friends. Okay. I'll um I'll text her later and see if she wants to be friends with you. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when um when John Cleese phoned her up phoned up Jamie Lee Curtis to say he wanted her in the film, she didn't think he'd be phoning her, she thought he'd be phoning her husband. That is the state of sexism in the eighties. In the eighties. Well, who's her husband? Christopher Guest. Never heard of him. He's sort of famous. Well, obviously not that famous. And she, I, I read an interview, and I'll read some of it to you later. Um, she said she thought that he was going to say, Hi, Jamie. 
put Christopher on. I want to talk to him. Oh, yeah, because remember where you had to phone a house phone? I think it's sort of amazing that you can just phone up Jamie Lee Curtis in the 80s. I imagine he had to get her number from someone, but he could just go, hello, John Lee, because I don't think mm. you could just like... Yellow pages. <laughs> Who's an equivalent movie star But nowadays? now, I think it's amazing that you can tweet anyone. That's crazy. I got a tweet liked by Alex Horn from Past Little Master. Alex Horn. Over the weekend. Like, that is that is kind of crazy. He has read some words that you've typed. Yeah. Like, I could tweet Jamie Lee Curtis and she probably wouldn't respond, but she might read it. I don't know if she is on Twitter, but... Um, she was good in this. Yes, she was good. She uh, she plays a kind of what's the o- opposite of a womanizer? A manonizer. <laughs> She's like she plays this woman who is a chancer and a bit a bit deceitful, and she'll basically do whatever she needs to do to get the money. So she's with a bank robber, and then the bank robber gets caught. And so she goes and starts flirting with and chatting up the barrister of the bank robber. Who is John Cleese. But I do find that whole thing weird. So there's 19 years difference in age between them. Like, I wonder if John Cleese was embarrassed to phone her up and be like, hey, do you want to snog me in a film? Even though she was like 30. I imagine he didn't open with that. And then he gets properly naked. There was like a flash of pubes at one bit of his pubes. A flash of pubes, a dash of light. What song is that? That's Joseph. It's from the Joseph musical. <laughs> but it, wouldn't <laughs> it be funnier if it was a flash of pubes? Uh, yeah, at one point, John Cleese gets fully naked whilst reciting a bit of Russian poetry. Yeah. Um, and she's upstairs in this... Um, London Thames waterfront property. She's upstairs on the mezzanine, like writhing around. I love mezzanines, though. I would writhe <laughs> around on a mezzanine. Uh, and I love foreign accents. She has some kind of like weird pathological reaction to accents where. Mm, like me. That's why I think we'd be friends. Anybody who speaks in a foreign accent, she's. Super horned by speaking a foreign accent, Dad. <laughs> no, <laughs> come on, it's Valentine's Day. All right, mate. <laughs> no, I said, guy. Not a sexy accent. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I'm sure some Australians are sexy, but yeah, she's she's riding around and he gets naked, and you do get a little, just a little bit of John pubes. <laughs> um. Was that the highlight? And of the then, film for like, you? and th- there, were, there was a lot of like awkward, funny moments. So then, this family come in that are like viewing the house. No, they've l- they've let it, they've leased okay, it. Okay, they're coming to live in the house or something. Yeah, with three kids and a nanny. That's funny. Yeah, and the there's a girl, the youngest girl is I think is a it's child like eight. eight, and she. Clocks a proper Eiffel. She gives him the up and down. Oh, I imagine being eight did. and have to see John Cleese's pubes. I imagine that even in the eighties, there was a level of child protection where it's like, can you just look up and down, dear? And he wasn't stood there in the nude. I mean, have you seen that sex ed film where 
that family just running around naked on the landing. I have seen that. And the house is really dark because they've got all the curtains closed. Like my overriding memory is that they were like not very attractive, quite hairy, and the house was dark. I just think what where are those kids now that everyone of our age in the UK has has seen naked with their family? How embarrassing. Yeah, imagine being the naked for the sex ed video parents. Yeah. I wonder what they get paid. Whatever it was, it wasn't enough. There's a lot to say about this film and we're not really saying about it. Yeah, sorry. What were your favourite bits then? There's some good lines. Um, I've been talking about the weirdest love scene ever where he's speaking Russian and she's... uh, She's writhing. Uh, I did wonder if it was a bit of a John Cleese wish fulfillment film. Yeah. Where it's like, oh yes, I'll I'll have I'll his have own a actual kiss. real daughter is in it. Yes, she plays a, a character Portia. called Portia. Um, I did like so John Cleese is carrying on with Jamie Lee Curtis's character. John Cleese's character is already married, and his wife naughty, finds naughty. out. And goes and sees him in the court where he's doing his barrister things. And it all goes a bit wrong. And she goes to him, Well, you can stick this marriage right in your bottom. (laughs) That's how she ends it. And I thought, right in your bottom. Not up your bottom, but in your bottom. I just thought it was a nice nice way of phrasing it. There's lots of good lines in the film. Do you want to know my favourite line? Please please tell me. Pork away, pal. (laughs) That means... Have sex with my sister. She's not really a sister. Yeah, I know, but he thinks it is. Yes, he does sister. think he's getting a brother's blessing to pork his sister. <laughs> pork away, pal. Um, just I hate we so use strange. that phrase when uh, our boys um, become sexually active. You know. Hey, guys, you're married. <laughs> pork the... away now. <laughs> we are going to be the most embarrassing parents ever. Um, yeah, this uh, I liked um, John Cleese. He does a great clueless kind of befuddled face. And um, the first time Jamie Lee Curtis says to him, "I want to make, l- I want you to make love to me," he goes, "I beg your pardon." <laughs> he's, he's just like, blah, 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 "What?" As if it's never, he's never even heard the idea of making love. It's very, it's very well written. Um, so it was mostly written by John Cleese, but one thing that a lot of people seem to have said in the bits of research I've done is that a lot of their suggestions were incorporated into the script. So Kevin Kline, who played Otto, got to improvise some things, and um, Jamie Lee Curtis says one or two of her ideas are in the script. John Cleese, in an interview, said that 13 people suggested ideas that were incorporated into the script. And it seemed to be a nice... It it seemed like it would have been a fun film to work yeah, on. Yeah, I was going to say that. It looked like they were having fun. Yeah. yeah. There's bits where it looks like Jamie Lee Curtis is only just holding it together. <laughs> One of my favourite bits Go on. is at the end, the um, the airport and steamroller bit is very funny. Um, first of all, I, f- I find the airport bit interesting because 
I'm like, this would not happen at an airport anymore. Yeah. Any of the things that happen. First of all, just the fact that they're smoking, when she gets the ticket, they're like, oh, smoking or non-smoking. That's madness that someone could smoke on an aeroplane. That doesn't make any sense. Like, that seems crazy to me. Um, and then the fact that they had guns in an airport. I mean, maybe that's a bit more artistic license. But, like, that you could just sort of walk into an airport with a gun and have a bit of a fight. Yeah, it's a nice moment where Otto, again, Kevin Klein's character, is walking through. He flips the gun up off to the side of the x-ray machine, walks through the x-ray machine and catches it, catches the gun on the other side. And obviously nobody's paying attention because it's, it's the 80s, you know, it's before um, flight air terrorism really kicked off. And they're just like, <laughs> flips it up, catches it, carries on through the airport. And... Um, it's a bit mad that they now you can't even take a bottle of water on the plane. I hate that so much. Yeah, like oh, if you've got two hundred mils of liquid, you're a you're a terrorist. Mm. If you've said terrorist on a podcast, <laughs> you're a terrorist. And then I love that steamroller bit. I think this a steamroller is the funniest way to kill someone because <laughs> it's like so deadly but so slow. <laughs> And so it's just for for so long, it's just steamrolling towards it, and no one's bothered because it's like, well, I could just walk out the way. And then he realizes he's actually stuck in wet concrete, which is like quite a coincidence. Um, what are the chances? And then he gets steamrolled over, but then somehow he does survive that. So there's a few funny things. Um, the guy who co-directed it with. John Cleese, um, whose first name I forget, but Mr. Crichton, when they first started writing it, John Cleese had one idea, which was he wanted a person with a stammer or a stutter to deliver a key piece of information, and the other guy was like, I want somebody to get run over with a steamroller. That's what started the script. That's how the film started. And um, Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. Michael Palin's character is getting revenge on the guy who ate his fish and and it just it takes a long time to get there oh the other thing was originally he was meant to die but when they test screened it in front of test audiences they didn't like that he died they thought he was such a fun character they wanted to yeah. so they added that bit where he, he appears covered in cement on the wing of a plane that is a good bit yes it's it's full of little details and little moments, and I think it feels yeah, it feels fun. It was definitely nice to watch yeah, this. Yeah, better than ch- ch- child molesting. I mean, <laughs> pretty much everything is better than child molesting. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Good. I also love all the bits with the dogs. That's so funny. So, who's the character who's trying to kill the dogs? Michael Palin plays a character called Ken. Ken Pyle. So he's actually trying to kill an old lady who's like a key witness. Yep. But he makes several attempts to kill her and she's got a load of dogs and every time he just manages to kill one of the dogs. I think the funniest time is when there's this this big sort of concrete cube uh, sort of hanging from a builder's rope 
thingy, pulley. Yeah, next to some scaffolding outside the house she lives in. And he's sort of lining it up just just right to sort of fall on the old lady and then she moves into the wrong bit and it and it kills the dog and at first she doesn't realise like the dog's on the lead and she's just pulling the lead and then she's like, Oh and then she actually like has a heart attack because her her final dog has died. And every time they have these funerals for the dogs yeah. where and that's the most funny bit where they have like a proper choir and it's like in a church and they're actually like burying the dog in the ground like in the way that you would for a person. Is, does that happen in real life? You can't do that. How, uh, what do you do when a dog dies? I mean, you you dig a hole in the backyard and you put it in the hole. Do you in your garden? You could burn it and send it to dog Viking heaven. What's dogs and Vikings <laughs> are the same heaven? <laughs> well, if you burn them on a funeral pyre, yeah. Um, <laughs> What's no. dog Viking heaven? Well, no, I just, I just thought, what are another way of, way? What's another way you can dispose of a dog corpse? You could burn it. Who famously get burned when they die? The Vikings. So I thought, <laughs> dogs and Viking heaven. <laughs> One of the right. things I like about the funerals is the two choir boys are singing in <laughs> yeah. Latin, "Miserere Dominus, Canis Mortus Est," which What's is, that mean? Uh, "God have mercy, the dog is dead." <laughs> It it just, there's little bits like that. A bit like when you were saying smoking or non-smoking. It reminds me of the gag in air, Airplane. It was quite airplane-y, I think. In it had that little bit, those little tiny jokes. So in Airplane, he, she asks him, do you want a ticket, uh, smoking or non-smoking? He goes, smoking, please. And she hands him a ticket that is smoking, <laughs> oh, that I is giving that. off smoke. And so those kind of things where in the background something's going on, to make it a little extra joke. I yeah. sort of like that, the film. Um, I like a film that that has a, a plot and stuff, but also puts little nuggets in the background, just little bits. And Michael Palin's kind of side plot about killing this witness is funny, you know? He kills three it's dogs. It's funny to kill dogs. It's hilarious to kill three dogs accidentally, and then when you kill the third dog, she dies of like a heart attack or whatever. And he goes over, investigates, and then laughs his head off because she's dead. And, and everyone's crowding around like, <gasps> really sad. And he's like, ah! She's dead, she's dead. And, uh, you know, one of my other favourite lines is when he, Michael Palin's character, is arguing Kevin Klein's character. And Kevin Klein says, I bet you a pound you don't kill her. <laughs> like, that's just a silly, that's just a silly sentence. A pound was a lot in the 80s. It, it, it was, but still as a <laughs> sentence. Um, and then, and then later, he's up there on the phone, and Ken goes, "You owe me a pound." In a really nice, like Michael Palin, I think does a good job. He doesn't have a lot in the film; he's not a big part in it, but he, he does a good job. And um, he said his father had a stutter when he was a kid, um. and so he based a lot of his character acting in this film on that. There's a little nugget for you. Do you want to know any facts about Jamie Lee Curtis or John Cleese? No, thanks. <laughs> of course I do. I'd love to. Um, how about ladies first, Jamie Lee Curtis? Okay, she studied law 
and dropped out after one term to pursue acting. It worked out for her. I'm sure the majority of people who quit law to do acting, you know, it's a bad life choice. In the 80s, (laughs) though, I wonder if there wasn't as much competition. No offence to her. Well, there were less people on the planet. Yes. (laughs) Fewer movie stars. But I think she was quite hot. I guess the lesson is, if you're beautiful, it's okay to follow your dreams. Wow. If you're ugly, you shouldn't try. (laughs) Put in the hard work and do someone else's dreams. Yeah. Um, Okay, this is the funniest fact that I found out about her, which is not meant to be a funny fact. But I hope to deliver it in a way that it would be like, huh, funny. Okay, I'm prepping my response. In uh, October 2006, she decided, she announced that she has closed the book on acting to focus on family. Ha, funny. When do you think she returned to acting? That was October 2006. Let's say October 2007. June 2007. (laughs) Not even a year, Jamie. I know, (laughs) I can relate to that though with all this homeschooling. Um, She'd be terrible in a pandemic. <laughs> it's okay, I'm going to focus on my kids. Two weeks later, please take my kids. I think either she just didn't have a job for a bit and needed to think of an excuse, which yeah. is fair enough yeah. in the acting world, or her kids were so terrible, she was like, please let me get back to acting. Please, I'll do anything. I'll do I'll do adverts for bad companies. Do you think she got... She got <laughs> Offered the Go Compare ad and she was like, well, I'm tempted. I guess if we saw what what work she did, if we found out what work she did in June 2007, we can find out how much she did hate her kids. If only we'd thought to do that research. Um, yeah. Did she, d- who, do we know who her kids are? Are they famous? Are they? Uh, oh, they're adopted. Two kids adopted. Oh, we like to give a special shout out to actors and actresses who've managed to stay married to the same person their whole lives. We do like to do that, yeah. And she is one of them. Her and Christopher Guest. Is that who it is? Yeah, remember I mentioned that earlier? Well done. Well done, you two. Well done. Well done. Very happy for you. Just keeping it together for the kids, but you get a shout out here. Maybe it's because they're adopted and like her body didn't get ruined in childbirth. So. So he still finds her attractive. Another fun fact about uh, JLC. Yeah. (laughs) We're We're mates now. That's what I call (laughs) her. She has actually patented a product that she's invented. It is um, a nappy with a special pocket that contains a baby wipe that you can get out with one hand. She's never made it into a thing, but she's just had the idea and patented it. Okay, has anyone made that idea? No, I think the patent's gone now. Oh. Nice so try. just a little fact. <laughs> nice try, yeah, okay. I know her from the film My Girl. I thought you were going to say Freaky Friday. Oh, yeah, also that, but My Girl was like one of my girl films. <laughs> <laughs> one of my like kid films. It's a good film, I might inflict that on you one day. Very strange um, storyline, though. What else? Oh, uh, she paid for a synagogue in Hungary to be rebuilt. Okay, any context to that? Uh, she's a bit Jewish. 
And rich. <laughs> That's enough for me. Oh, she's a baroness, but she doesn't like to talk about it. <laughs> she doesn't use that name. She keeps it on the down low. She's married into baronessing. <laughs> What about John Cleese facts then? Got some good facts about him. Oh, let's crack on. Let's crack right on. First good fact, his actual name is John Cheese. But he thought it was too silly a name. And so well, I don't know if it him or his ancestors decided that was a stupid name and they changed it to Cleese. I do not believe it. Breathe. Like yeah, a... I get it. Okay, we'll cut that. John Cheese. Yes. John, jeez. Uh, he's got one of those lives that you're like, oh, everything worked out for me, for <laughs> you because you were a, a rich, privileged white man from the past. Uh, yeah. For example. For, oh, we've got for example, uh, kids. He went to Cambridge and was in Footlights, which is like drama club for posh people. Didn't he study law as well? Yeah, I think he did, yeah. At Cambridge. Yeah. Oh, so they had that in common. Yeah. Um, he went to Edinburgh with Footlights, um, and his show, his comedy show, was a big success. And then it went straight from Edinburgh to like the West End and New Zealand and Broadway. I know a lot of people that have done Edinburgh and just ended up in debt and miserable. The 21st century way, that is, my love. Yep. Here's a quote from John Cleese that I enjoy. If God did not intend for us to eat animals, then why did he make them out of meat? Fair point. Mmm, deep philosophy. Yeah. Uh, Oh, he had four wives. Divorced, died, divorced, survived. Right, okay. Mm. Uh, one of them, he married the lady from Faulty Towers, the lady which, who played Polly. Which one, which time was that? He really regrets the third wife. She was the worst, apparently. Was she called Priscilla? I think it might have been the second wife. Uh, I know he first the worst, second the best, third the one with the hairy chest. Maybe that's why he regrets it. <laughs> 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 yeah. Also, <laughs> did you know he adores lemurs? No, of course I didn't know that. <laughs> he just loves lemurs so much. So much that a scientist has named a whole species of lemur after him. There's one called the Cleves Woolly Lemur. The Cleemur? Yeah. Go um, on. <laughs> he blames his bad relationships and the fact that he's had four wives on his mum. You know what? I was about to say women. But a woman... How remarkable. Yeah. How, how, why, what? Any further detail? Um, not really. I'm not sure. His mum lived to be 101. How annoying. Do you think that's why? No, I don't know. He I just never know. felt like he could escape her? For Both his parents were born in the 18s. That is how old this man is. He was born in the 1930s, was it, or something? Yeah. 1939. Wow. Um... I read that they that he named the character in this film Archie Leach because that was Cary Grant's real name and he thought that was as close as he would get to being Cary Grant and that kind Who's of leading. Oh, 
he's a famous movie star. People who have seen a film older than they are, our age, he's famous. He's like one of Hollywood's main leading men from the past past. Right. That is the end of my facts about John Cleese and Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, just to round off that little portion, can I read you a quote from an interview in Vanity Fair, an interview with the cast of this film, a quote from Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes, you may. This is Jamie Lee Curtis talking about filming this film. I gave all of the men toothbrushes and toothpaste on the first day of the movie because Wanda basically works her way down the line, if you will. Everybody was like, I'm all for this. But the whole English thing with tea in the late afternoon and sugar cookies? Yuck. She goes on. Let me say this. When you're an actor and you're required to engage in intimate contact, you know, it's real. It's not fake. And therefore, if you're going to do it in front of 100 people 20 times, I'm the person who always goes, let's go in my trailer and make out a little bit. What? (laughs) Because we'd better get comfortable with this by ourselves if in 15 minutes we're full on macking, as I think they would call it in England. Is that what they called it? Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't so do any snogging. So she'd go and snog them in a caravan beforehand. <laughs> That's worse. Surely it's worse. Because you're snogging as an actor, it's like, well, this is just a job of being an actor. I bet they love that, though. I, well, I, I was bet r- John Cleese had such a nice time snogging a woman 19 years younger than him. Um, I was reading that thinking... I mean, it sounds much worse when you say caravan. When you say trailer, it sounds more acceptable. But come it? into my caravan and let's have a practice kiss. <laughs> sounds very, you know, not okay. Um, but I was reading that thinking, yeah, those those gentlemen have enjoyed themselves going off for a little secret snog with Jamie Lee Curtis at her request. Yeah. Before any, you know, before any concerns at that end come out. Um, Yes, I thought that was... A, it's, a, it's, it's a really good interview, actually. It's in Vanity Fair, all about the making of this film with um, with four or five of the people that were involved. And uh, it's very, very full of detail. What do you think the RSPCA would have to say about this film? I think they would probably be against it, but there is a disclaimer at the end of the film that no animals were harmed in the making of the film. Is there? I'm going to say that confidently and assume there was. I think they say at the end, at the end of the film, after the credits, it's like this is all fictitious. (laughs) I was like, well, really. (laughs) It also ends. Oh, because the dogs die as well as the fish being eaten. Yeah. So I read, I think in that interview or somewhere else, that originally, uh, especially the dogs that got run over. It was a lot more graphic, and there was like entrails around oh. stuff. But again, they test screened it, and the people didn't like it, so they replaced it with a much mm. more obviously fake dog. It went down better. Stunt dog, I think. So, like, you've got the dog that's the normal actor, and then you have to swap it for a specially trained stunt dog for like the death scenes. Uh, <laughs> Imagine I being mean, a stunt dog. Imagine being a dog. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I didn't think that you would do that. Uh, Yes, stunt dog is a real thing. For example, in John Wick 3, there's some well-trained dogs that perform specific roles and the actress who worked with them uh, 
had to do some of their training with them. Uh, Stunt Death Dog, I think especially nowadays, I hope that's not a thing. Or the RSPCA would really have uh, something to say. I mean, everyone's taken on puppies in this pandemic. And already the dogs' homes are full. So why not relieve some of the capacity at the dogs' homes? And feed the dogs to people in need of food. (laughs) No? Just release them for films like this. I don't think they're making enough films like this for it to really have an appreciable impact on the capacity at dogs' homes. Let the big dogs eat the small dogs. Who let the dogs out? That's what they were saying about zoos. You know when there was this whole like zoo issue? Oh, of, yes. like Zoos are so expensive to, um, to show. If you haven't got people, visitors going around paying money... How are you going to keep the zoos open? And the zoo, there was this zoo in Germany that was like demanding money from the government, saying, "Well, we can't, we can't keep looking after the animals if you don't bail us out." And they threatened to feed the small animals to <laughs> the big animals. I think that was genius. If I had a zoo, I'd totally do something like that. I would actually threaten to just release all the animals from their cages. Like, imagine if Chester Zoo just, like, opened all the doors and there were, like, lions and stuff all around Chester. That'd be <laughs> so good. Uh, it's for a the good, inhabitants ba- of it's Chester. It's a good bargaining tool with the government, isn't it? To be like, I'll release a lion in Chester if you don't give me money. I mean, on one hand, yes. On the other hand... There's no plausible deniability there. You know who has <laughs> released the lion, and once the lion has been tranquilized and captured, <laughs> you know who is responsible for that. And but who's going you to could prison. start small with like the penguin and stuff, and everyone would just sort of find that cute. But then, like, one would get run over, and then they'd be like, "Oh," and then go to like like camels would cause a bit of a problem, but they, you know, they're not that deadly. And then just keep, just every week, it'd be so good. You could just be on Twitter like, oh, this week we're releasing the lemurs or whatever and just carry on and like build up to the tigers. I actually remember the uh, zoo management during a pandemic (laughs) module of my GCSE and uh, the Twitter bants featured heavily. (laughs) You absolute mad woman. It's sort of like what, Moses could have done if he owned a zoo and a Twitter account. Pharaoh, (laughs) will you let my people go? No? Well, prepare for the penguins (laughs) and the hashtags. Pharaoh penguin. (laughs) Well, there were frogs and like locusts and stuff. Yes, and the death of a firstborn. And the angel of death. I'm about to release the angel of death. It's your last chance, Chester City Council. (laughs) Hashtag Angel of Death. Yeah, I don't know how we got onto that. Uh, No, and it's, it's, I mean... I would be an irresponsible zookeeper. Do you remember when we looked at the animalarium that was for sale? Oh, yeah. In Aberystwyth for 600,000... Obsession with looking at, like, right move or similar websites and just seeing like what is the craziest thing we can buy (laughs) for the least money and once there was a zoo like with animals for how much 
£600,000, the Animalarium in Aberystwyth. Yeah, which is still, like, more money than we have of. Quite a lot more. But, like, it seems it seems a bargain as zoos go. As, as zoos go. Especially because once you've got dangerous animals, you can bargain for whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> I see. And we have come full circle. <laughs> Conversationally, I mean. Um, what's interesting and a little bit linked is... Many of the same people of as this from this film had a a second film called Fierce Creatures, all about a zoo being shut down. Ah, I didn't know it was about that. I've heard it was a bad film and John Cleese regrets it. He's got two life regrets. Go on. One is making that film and the other is marrying the third wife. You know what? I've I've actually seen Fierce Creatures. I hadn't seen a Fish Called Wonder before this. And I quite liked it. Oh, well, you should tell John Glees because once he knows that Dan Jones likes fierce creatures, he'll only have one life regret. That he didn't marry you. Mm, no. I was trying to think of a snappier comeback, but I just <laughs> I just went for no in the end. I shan't tell John that next time we meet. We'll just do the argument sketch again. It's a famous sketch from the Pythons. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, the Pythons. That was the thing. That was fun. I remember being into that at like age 15 and one of my friends then bought me a Python thing on, on VHS. Nice. For my 16th birthday. I had a really nice 16th birthday. My parents had uh, the Pythons on audio cassette. We had live at Drury Lane. Ooh, my parents had it on record player. <laughs> I like how this has become sort of <laughs> Ancient media top trumps. It's like the sketch about the, the Yorkshireman. Ah, oh, we had to get up in the middle of the night, <laughs> lick raw, clean, whip tongue. My parents had it on gramophone. I don't even really know what a gramophone is. <laughs> My parents sat in the second row and hacked it out in Egyptian <laughs> hieroglyphs on a stone tablet. Hieroglyphics are on papyrus, you nonce. Uh, Firstly, <laughs> nonce is incredibly offensive to just is drop it? in there. Is it? It's kitty fiddler. <laughs> yes. Oh, Secondly, hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics. <laughs> I'm so drunk. <laughs> she is drunk. She has had a, a medium-sized glass of wine, haven't you? But all the wine in the in the juice of the meal is on. Should have burned off the alcohol by the time it got to. Uh, hieroglyphics are also found on the inside of the pyramids, which, correct me if I'm wrong, are the pyramids made of papyrus? <laughs> oh, no, they're not. <laughs> they're made of stone. <laughs> hieroglyphics are found on stone. I thank you. <laughs> oh, she is very, very drunk right now. Valentine's ever. <laughs> Shall we quickly do a credit shout out Because we haven't done one yet Yes, let's do a credit shout out It's time for the credit shout out Shout out, shout out That's what this podcast is all about We big up a person with a silly job or name Like Shoe 
this is bound to lead to their future fame. Uh, it will be a quick one, actually, I guess. Um, the stenographer was played by Imogen Bickford-Smith. Did you just think that was a nice name? Well, also, her initials are IBS. <laughs> Poor lady. Uh, art director by John Wood. Would he indeed? He would. <laughs> it just made it just made me laugh. I wanted to give a shout out to Sophie Johnstone, the eight-year-old who might have had to see John Cleese's pubes. I'm almost certain she didn't. <laughs> we hope you got paid enough money to go to therapy. But the most important credit shout out is to the fish by. supplied by. Wet pets. <laughs> I wondered if they supplied any wet pets or just fish. Like if you were like, "Oh, I want a wet dog, please." I'd like. I need a slightly damp iguana. <laughs> but you said the fish were not real. No. So, at points, the fish were real. The fish that Kevin Klein ate were not real. <sighs> so there's a scene where he. So they didn't supply the not real fish. The no, edible fish. I think they were just cooked up by some meth head in a, a wheelie bin or something. Oh, um, I know that guy. Nice guy, you know, actually. Yeah, d- down deep, he just needs a hug. Yep. Hug a hoodie. Don't we all? No, hug a hoodie not allowed in Oh yeah. these times. Well, if you live, if you're in a support bubble with a hoodie, oh yeah, you can hug them. Yeah. Um, so there's a scene where he's eating the fish and he's got, he's torturing Michael Palin's character by putting chips up his nose, up Michael Palin's nose. Oh, yeah. And then he puts a pear in his mouth. And at one point, Michael Palin actually couldn't breathe because he was having to hold, he was having to squeeze his nostrils to hold the chips in because they would fall out. And then I don't, I think if I remember reading the interview correctly, he wasn't meant to put the pear in as hard as he did, <laughs> and Michael Bennett actually couldn't breathe for a little bit. Um, which, you know, is sort of just the safety levels of a, a movie set in the 80s, it sounds like. That was fun. I enjoyed the 80s decor, though, and the outfits. I remember my mum having, like, some of those outfits, which I wouldn't remember 1988, but she must have, like, had them 10 years later. The sort of flowery dress... I remember having stuff like that with a perm. Has any of that stuff come back? You know, fashions go round and round, apparently. Or I you know? am out of the loop with fashion now, unfortunately. I've heard skinny jeans are out again. What's in now? Well, I assume not skinny jeans, but like I've so when I was born, it was kind of skinny jeans, and then I remember the first time I saw. Like, so primary school age, saw someone with, like, flared jeans, and I was like, oh, that is ridiculous. <laughs> then, by the time I was, like, 14, 15, I was wearing flared jeans. And then I remember at uni, people wearing not flared jeans, and I was like, oh, really? And I'm I'm always a few years behind fashion, because it takes me a while to be like, really, that again? And then I got into it, I've been wearing skinny jeans for the, you know last decade maybe and now they're out again i just i just can't i just can't go through all that again wow okay we're off to the drunken ranting <laughs> i don't i don't know where that came from fashion 
At the end of the film, it flashes up in text what has happened. I laughed at the text because it looks exactly like the same text that my grandma would put over home videos from like the early 90s. Anyway, um, <laughs> okay, that was just the font they used. Yeah, my grandma's font. Um, Archie and Wanda left to Rio, married, and had 17 children and founded a leper colony. Yes, I think they were having a bit of fun. It was reminiscent of that game of consequences, you know, where you fall. Where you fold over yeah. and then you're like, and the consequence is they married, had 17 children and founded a leper colony. Yeah. Ken became the master of ceremonies at SeaWorld, it said. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was quite good. And then right at the end of the credits, instead of saying the end, it said Finn. And you were like, is that because of a fish or not? Well, I think it is. It's called a fish called Wanderer and it finishes, you know, it's French for end. So the second film, yeah, what was it called again? Fierce Creatures. That's got the same characters in. No, it's got the same actors in. They're different characters. They're not like uh, it's not Otto it's not and a Wanda. Sequel. Not really. No. I was going to say, where were the seventeen children and the lepers? Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Next week we'll be watching Game Night. So join us for that. Hope you had as good a Valentine's as we're having. Or better. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. I wouldn't.